Welcome to Vancouver Entertainment Magazine. I'm your host, EJ Love, and today we are hosting Shane Savage, musical director, uh, being art artistic director, actor, writer. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I hope me. I covered everything on that. I, I might have missed something. There's a few more hats, but we'll get to those. There's a few more That's hats. Fine. There's so many hats. Uh -huh. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing really well. It's good to have you on our show. Thanks. It's good to be here. You're from Melbourne. I am. Ah, how was life in Melbourne? Right now, it's not great. I'm no. really grateful to be here right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we all are. Yeah. <laughs> right now, they've just hit week six of a stage four lockdown. Wow. So everyone's feeling very isolated. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. It, this thing is, is done a turn on everybody, but we've been able to adapt mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, try to ha simulate some real life yeah you know manageability and uh yeah it is a struggle it yeah. has been a, a struggle for everyone but with that all being said um let's let's talk about you right it's my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> tell the folks about yourself man <laughs> go ahead and start out with that mean in a nutshell yes uh, oh wow all right that's big uh <laughs> <laughs> well you know is it a lagoon or is it a you know what kind of nut is it you know what uh, oh, okay. Uh, it's more of a peanut. Where do okay. I start? Okay. Yeah. Um, with who I am, what I do right now. Yes. Cool. Um, so I'm an Australian currently living in Canada, Vancouver, uh, where I'm working as an actor and an acting coach uh, okay. and juggling some of those other hats that you said before. Right. Um, in terms of like production, direction, etc. Um, that's the background that I come from. So I was working as an artist and a professional creative okay in melbourne okay and so i've brought that skill set over here with me to hopefully chase some bigger opportunities and how has that been for you uh, it's been interesting yeah. so i've been here for about 20 months now okay which is long enough to start getting my head around a new city right but not quite long enough to be established. Ah. It's right in that sweet, like that middle ground right now. Right. And how, how are you finding it? I mean, especially in the, in the artistic world, how are you finding that fit versus uh, Melbourne? They're very, very different worlds because uh, in Vancouver, it's driven so much by network television. Right. Whereas we don't really have network television in Melbourne. Okay. Like we, we do, but there's like three public broadcast channels. Right. And like four series that shoot in okay. the city. Okay. Whereas here, like right now in the next two months, there are 45 series set to go to camera wow. here in Vancouver. So it's, it's nuts. That is crazy. So the industry here is driven by network TV, which right. is super fast turnarounds. Okay. Right. And it's, it's driven by a whole lot of other things. Um, so the scene in Melbourne, I dare say, <laughs> brace yourself for the hate tweets, uh -oh. is more creative. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot more independent projects. There's this beautiful, thriving independent scene that isn't very present here in Vancouver. Right. There are pockets of it here in Vancouver, but most people are able to make a living off of the industry, so they're not forced to create out of passion. Right. So right. it's, it's very different. It's like you're able to actually sustain yourself and make a living off of the industry here. But I found, and I'm saying this with the premise that I'm still relatively new, that the creative pull isn't as strong here because everybody's trying to work for a paycheck as opposed to working for the love. Yes. Ex 
explain that a little bit for the love. For the well, I suppose. I mean, coming from where I come from, there's so much more theatre mm-hmm. as opposed to that TV, like I've touched on. And I suppose when you're making independent theatre, you have so much creative freedom because you're trying to tell stories in a multitude of different ways and you can actually harness a bunch of different mediums. And basically all you're trying to do is affect an audience and you're just trying to tell a story and touch people. Um, So there's much more free. You're not really answering to anybody unless you're in one of the big companies. You know, you're not even answering to a subscriber base. Right. Right. You're answering to your immediate demographic and that's what you're pursuing. You want to, you know, just start those conversations or just make entertainment for entertainment's sake, which is great. But when you're working in network TV, you've got to answer to networks, which answer to advertisers. Right. And so you don't have that creative freedom because you have to be creating a product that someone's going to buy. Right. And you have to stick with that formula that works, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how does that how does that transpire into How does that affect you as an actor, you as a, a person in in the acting world? How does that affect you? Um, I actually really like it because it's still art and right. it, like it's it it is still fulfilling. Right. It's just working in a slightly different medium. Okay. And I think cut to me in 10 years when I'm jaded <laughs> after I've just finished my 600th Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I still enjoy it because, I mean, it's our job as actors to uh, interpret the words of the writer and to actually build these beautiful, lived-in, believable, fully realized lives And so even if those lives are on a CW spaceship or, you know, it's a teenage witch or it's a gingerbread coffee shop in a Hallmark Christmas movie, which surface level you look at as like a stereotypical kind of thing. The joy from the acting side of it is creating an entire life. Right. To feel that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How does it being also just being a business... Is there challenges in, 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 that are in there that kind of circumvent one another or, or separate from one another or enhance? What, what is it, you know? Uh, in terms of like being a business as, as, a, a, yeah. as an artist, yeah. as an actor. Yes. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because you've... So I, I taught at the National Theatre in Melbourne for a couple of years and it was my job to mentor the graduating year on business within the arts and Mm -hmm. so i would mentor them in creative practice and i would teach them how to create original work but as part of that i would teach them how to work as a business and try and create a sustainable business model as an artist Uh, and i used to teach that the notion of the starving artist is not romantic no it's dead it's gone and you have to let that go and i think especially when we're younger (laughs) we we kind of idealize this thing of being like i'm just gonna make art and yes live in a warehouse and sleep on milk crates or, <laughs> or couch to couch right? right and i just play my guitar and yeah, go yeah. like cool shit yeah, yeah. And it's like well at, at some point you need to realize that if you can't afford to eat you can't afford to create right right get it and so you need to have security in order to actually have a healthy 
practice. Right. So now, with that being said, mm-hmm. uh, you're a writer. Yes. Okay. Let's t- let's talk about storytelling. Cool. Okay. Explain to me what it is to tell a story and how, you know, for the young folks out here, for the junior wannabe writers, uh-huh. where, where does it all begin? How does how does the process begin, and how do you formulate life to a story and 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 making it work? Oh, good question. Great question. Thank you. Uh, I suppose it's different for everybody. Right. And I'm not formally trained as a writer. I just started writing. Right. And all of my experience came from theatre production, film production, and working as an actor. Okay. So I applied those skill sets into my writing. And I generally write from a character's perspective as opposed to like a structural perspective. Okay. So, so some people might just have an idea and be like, this is the story I want to tell. And they would map out the entire story right. and then go back and fill it in with character. I work the opposite, whereas I think of a character or a relationship or a circumstance, and then I write for that, and then the story stems okay. from it. So it's almost, I almost write like an improvisation. Right. I just start writing. Okay. And it's, then, it's not always from true life experience, then? Sometimes it is. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it is. Okay. Uh, or like even simple things like writing sketch comedy or like mucking around with my best friends and someone will say a stupid joke. Right. And then you like, write that down. <laughs> And then you just riff. Right. Like, That's a script. Right. Uh, so I suppose, sorry, to come back to the question was, where does it start? Yes. It could start from anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it can just be a spark of an idea. Right. Or it could be a fascinating person you meet. My favorite word in the entire world is the word sonder. Have you heard that word before? No. It's Explain. Technically, it's a made-up word. As by, so there's a, a German website called the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, and they would put definitions on feelings, yes. like sensations that didn't have definitions. Mm-hmm. And Sonder is the sudden realization that each random counterby, sorry, each random passerby you encounter has a life as vivid and complex as your own. The sudden realization that each random passerby you encounter has a life as vivid and complex as your own. And then it goes on into further detail about it could be headlights you pass on a highway. Mm. It could be a person you see in the distance on the beach. Like someone, they're they're an extra in the movie of your life. They blink and you miss them. You'll never see them again, but their life is just as detailed as yours. I owned a studio in Melbourne that I actually called Studio Sonder. Right. Because when I learned that definition, I was like, that's my favorite word in the world because that's everything I love about storytelling. Right. So for me, that's where it starts. And I used to um, lecture in this and, and do some other work in Melbourne. And I was constantly asked, like, where do you get ideas? And I was like, look around the room. Someone sitting here is the middle of your story right now. It's like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Were you running late for the train? Where did you get that? cardigan that's amazing by the way thank you (laughs) what's the story behind that why did you choose that today if you were wearing a different shirt would that affect how i'm relating to you right now like all these tiny little details wow that's interesting that make up this complex life Mm. they're like i could pull a million stories just out of looking at you right now thank you (laughs) that's where it starts and then we could go from that and be like do we want to do like a hard-hitting drama yeah we can talk about 
right? The struggles that you've been through or do we want to make it a silly comedy? Or do we want to make it a buddy comedy? You and me right now, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> or it could be a mystery. Right. Or like, and then we start playing with genre and style and then we can start playing with structure. Okay. And all of that. But for me, it all comes back to the human condition. And that's where you pull the clues from and that's where you just start telling stories from my fascination with humans. Wow. Did that answer the question? Pretty much. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> let's, let's talk about art as a business. Oh, yeah. That's where we were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I, I'm interested in that for, for many reasons. One, my, my son's an actor. Hmm. And I want him to understand art. Mm -hmm. and the business mm -hmm. so that you know because there's a lot of pitfalls to that mm -hmm. there's a lot of artists that don't understand the business and end up on the downside right you know um there are a lot of peaks and valleys in this mm -hmm. particular genre of, of life yeah. and uh if you would your interpretation of the art yeah i suppose i can only speak to really acting <laughs> in particular, or filmmaking, but right. I'll, I'll guide this more towards acting. Okay. Um, I think it's about recognizing how you can make your practice as an artist sustainable. How can you make that a viable business? Right. And I think that first starts with identifying what is it that you can do well right. that somebody would pay you for. Okay. Which is really business 101. Yeah. What can I offer that other people cannot right right uh, and so it's a matter of going if i'm the guy with long ratty hair and a shaggy beard and that's my type that's what people are going to buy me as then that's how i need to present myself that's how i'm going to pitch myself right so that when those kind of roles come up i'm the first person that people think of mm -hmm. as that guy Right or vice versa. If I want to be the leading man in a Hallmark movie, I need to look like the leading man in a Hallmark movie. Correct. Or wherever that goes. And it's not just about look right. at all, right? And I mean, that's more so like if you want to lean into this network world or the commercial world, mm -hmm. like you need to know how to sell a product and knowing that more often than not, you are the product right. that people are buying. But that could also be anything. I mean, we could move into... Uh, writing or theater production yes and looking at it from a business standpoint can I create something that people want to pay for that people want to buy or at the very least can I uh, reach an audience where sponsors will pay to get seen by my audience working out how to monetize that and that's not to like squeeze any of the creative life out of it but that's going do you want to have a side hustle as an artist and work a day job that you dislike. I mean, really, it would be lovely. You can, oh. We interrupt this program. <laughs> Did anyone else hear that? Was that just me? That was me. The aliens are coming. Excuse me. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Normally, in my head, it's like a monkey with symbols. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Uh, so that's not to like squeeze any of like the the freedom or the creative process out of it, right. but it's being able to recognize how you can uh, make money. Oh, that's what we're talking about. Day jobs, right? Yes. So the, the 
it would be ideal to have a day job that you don't hate that could support you while you're pursuing a creative practice. Right. But wouldn't the ultimate dream be able to focus full-time on the creative practice? And I think you can only focus full-time on that if you have an income mm -hmm. off of that. Otherwise, mm -hmm. how are you going to pay rent? Okay. How are you going to save for retirement? How are you going to pay for your kid's school? Right. Right. Well, how about the, the personal side of that, you know, the emotional side, the impact that that has mm -hmm. on an artist? Mm -hmm. That has to be a kind of a tethered rope that's being pulled and struck. You know, you get the role, great. You don't, you move on, you do these things. But there's also that aspect of focusing on it as a business to, to live by. It's something that, you know, you mm -hmm. draw an income from. How, how does that work Pers like on a personal level yes yeah uh, there's a brilliant article on a website called stagemilk.com by okay. vincent andriano for anyone okay. that wants to google that okay. it's titled something like the thespian the thespial thespiological clock is yeah. ticking yes That's not, and he writes it so beautifully i studied with vincent uh back in melbourne uh, but he talks about the thousands of waiting rooms that you sit in with people who look just like you, but a little bit more handsome. Right. <laughs> Stop you making me blush. <laughs> That's pretty right? hard to oh, do. It's like you sit there with the lookalike. So like I like I recognize it from pre-COVID times. Yeah. Like sitting in the waiting room and being like, oh, hey. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> and then it's my turn. And then I come out of the room and I see six other guys that look like me. I'm like, oh, hey, guys. Of course you're here. Right. Because I see you every second day because we all look the same going for the same thing. Right. And there's only like so many thousands of auditions that you can get to right where you start thinking like oh, this is why a, am i doing this yeah yeah right yeah. Uh, it, it wears you down it does it really wears you down because it's not only a lack of security it's also <clears throat> i suppose a lack of structure and things are changing now because of COVID. but in terms of like doing the hustle and like you would get 16 hours noticed to get to an audition right so if you've got a day job you've then the afternoon before you have to replace yourself on your shift tomorrow mm -hmm. if you're lucky you can swap it with someone if you're unlucky you lose that income to go for a one in 400 chance of being seen as man number three mm. uh it wears down right but then i think the older you get the talent pool gets smaller so your chances get bigger but then as your chances of booking get bigger so do your responsibilities outside of that job true that so i'm now in my 30s and there's a significantly lower talent pool than when i was 21 yes because everyone who's good looking and 21 thinks they can be an actor mm. so there's 10,000 good looking young people right uh and then you get to 30 and then there's 8,000 good looking 30 something. Mm. <laughs> you get to 40 and there's 6,000 good looking 40 somethings. Exactly. And so, like, the talent pool gets smaller as people drop off. So, we end up living in this state of hope of being like, it's a numbers game, it's endurance. Mm -hmm. I've got the passion, I've got the patience, I've got the persistence. I've just got to wait for my number to be called. Yes. And then, when that number's not called, it chips away a little bit. Yeah. And then the next audition comes and you're like, I'm perfect for this. Yes. Old mates booked on something else. This is my chance. And then you don't get it and it chips away a little bit more. Yeah. And then you get the thing and you're like, I'm perfect for this. Or you get the little nibble. Yeah. Or you book the commercial and you're like, yes, I can eat for a month. Let's do this. 
so yeah, it does. It really does wear away at you. And I think the way that we can sustain ourselves mentally, I don't want, and I don't want to harp on financially. Like that's not like no. my thing as an artist is not make money. It's just something that we have to consider so that we don't burn out. Exactly. But this is a big thing of maintaining our mental health as artists is we have to make sure that we can sustain ourselves outside of that practice. Because if it becomes our everything, every time that little chip of hope gets knocked away, right. it affects our mental health. And that's when we spiral and that's when we turn to substances. Or that's right. when depression kicks in and that's when our relationships break down. Because so this is why training is important too when you're not being called to auditions right you need to keep moving totally okay yeah but i think and in that sense i think it's about finding a creative practice outside of your career right meaning how, how do you mean which will most often like intertwine right oh, sorry i just smashed the microphone that's <laughs> okay pardon me <laughs> it's um, doable i think often they will intertwine yes yes um but like for instance i'm doing the hustle right now for network telly and okay. like six auditions a week, seven auditions, eight auditions a week, like smashing shit out, hustling hard. Right. Um, but I need to have something on the side that is like fulfilling me creatively. So I started producing theater so that I would have something that I love. That's like my soul passion that I'm not doing for money, right. that I'm not doing to get seen, mm -hmm. that I'm doing because I love it. That's wonderful. Um, so I think it's about finding a creative practice outside of the hustle right. to keep your artist soul fed right. and alive so that the only time you're creating art is not in an audition room for somebody right. or on set for two days and then you go back to the hustle. You've mm. got to have your artist fire stoked from a creative project. But I think it also does come from having a steady income, whether that be from a day job that you don't hate mm -hmm. or passive income because you've created an online business selling hair extensions. <laughs> or like, right? Or you're lucky that you had a show six years ago and you're still getting some royalties from it. Yes. Like whatever that is, right? If yes. you have a little security so that you know that you can pay your rent next month, that's going to stop you spiraling into the, a feeling of worthlessness when you don't book a job. That answer the question again. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking a lot. No, man. That's, you're, that's why you're here. <laughs> True. Yes, absolutely. Talk a little bit about uh, shout out to North of Eight. Um, oh, my baby. Your baby, where yeah. you were co artistic director. Yeah. Yeah, talk a little bit about that real quick. And cool. Yeah, give a little shout out to them. How, how, does that, how did that all come about? Uh, so that came about, so there were a bunch of us that all trained at the same um, acting studio. So it's called the Howard Fine Acting Studio. Okay. Um, they're originally based in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, they opened a sister school in Melbourne. Okay. Um, so there were a bunch of us that trained full-time there. It's like a conservatory program, like full-time acting training. And there were a handful of us that were out there creating our own work. And like I had my own studio, I was producing film, and there were a bunch of other people making theatre. And we're like, we're a really great collective that speak the same language. Right. We have a similar drive. Let's combine forces and create a company. Okay. So we did. Wonderful. And it was a lot of work. Uh, and we got a lot of reward from it. Wonderful. Just making stuff. Yeah. Making it happen. Yeah. And actually, it's... It's testament to doing that that I ended up getting employed professionally in theatre. Like, we didn't make any money off of that company. 
and so we all had the agreement. It was a, a like a profit share agreement. So right. we're like any money that came back into the company from shows, we'd go fifty percent investment into our next show, and then fifty percent split between the creatives that work on the project. But every project I worked on, and I think all except for one after I stepped away, all of the creatives that worked on the show donated their cut back into the company. So that was really a labor of love, which comes back to what we were talking about earlier about not doing it for the money. Like we wanted to create bigger budgets so we could create bigger productions. So that was just spiraling for the love of it and just, just making things for the love, not for the income, which also feels like I'm contradicting myself a little bit as well. <laughs> but it's like what I said, you've got to have that balance. Well, you got to have that balance. Have the creative practice for the love, for the joy of storytelling outside of the I do this for a paycheck right yeah did that answer the question yeah sure it did right we'll leave that as the final word how's that cool <laughs> I want to thank you oh, short and sweet. so much thanks for having me uh, we'll have you back please we'll check in we'll check sure. in with I'll just you. never leave <laughs> <laughs> Shane thank you so much for being on the show it's been an ultimate pleasure and uh, a great eye opener for me um i want to thank everyone who's here on this table that produces this show my staff ah, what a great season it's been it's been a love for the love and next season will be for the money <laughs> uh, i want to thank them all chris thank you brother tj you're out there and natalia Thank you so much, darling. You're the best. And my man, Guy. Thank you so much. And uh, also want to thank you. 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 And guest producers today. And our guest producers. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, where do I go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you all for joining us on this first season. It's been a labor of love. And we've made some mistakes along the way. And we're going to continue to make mistakes. But we're going to correct those and make it better. Um, Blessings to you all out there for watching and taking the time to be with us. If this is the season finale, you have to leave a cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm hanging on a cliff just coming back next season. <laughs> will he make it? Will he not? Will he make it or will he not? Tune in next season. <laughs> <laughs>